0: Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. This is one of those markets where they've been talking since, I feel like since we got into this industry, they've been talking about the rotation. growth stocks are all going to, c- yeah, gross stocks are gonna go and everyone's going go back to value and then, you know, all the kids will stop investing and listen to their dads. Yeah. It's starting to look like that. I mean, some of the stuff <laughs> is getting getting a little hairy right now. Yeah. I um I'm reluctant to
1: call the uh the game just yet. I have a feeling that the uh the Fed is talking tough early on and will possibly uh fold when it matters. I mean at the end of the day, We've got an election year. We've got a lot of um <clears throat> there's a lot of very bad things that could happen if they get too aggressive. So
0: we'll see. Nice. Well let's start obviously with a beer as we need to. Absolutely. After these these rough growth rotation <laughs> days begun. I am drinking the pregame lager from Terrapin. Ooh. Basically like they're uh, you warm up with a few of these and you move up to some of their IPAs depending on what you want. Nice crisp little cheers beer, nice easy going, light uh paleo. I like so, it. Cheers, Sean. Cheers.
1: And I have a uh, nice little double IPA from uh my favorite boys over here over at Southern Swells. It's called Sobering Thought. Sobering Thought. Oh crack
0: that one open. Crack that bad boy up. Cheers. Cheers, man. So before we get into our first victim today, that's getting <laughs> <laughs> taken up behind the the woodshed. Wood shed, this this week's Netflix? Th- yeah, this week's Netflix is PayPal. Sure. So it, Again, I, I did want to start that with, I, so I heard, I, I got to remember where the source is. I'll, I'll bring this up on another episode, but basically everyone's repricing stocks based on inflation. Yeah. So if you are an energy company right now, you're soaring. If you're a raw material provider, so if you sell you know, some sort of lumber, lumber. or you sell metals, copper, all those things are spiking. Mm-hmm. The downside to that type of investment theme is most of those prices are cyclical. Like you can only keep raising prices on something before the market says, now we're good, and it starts to come back down. And what's sold off the hardest has been all these super high growth companies with the anticipation inflation's here for longer. Yep. Um, if you look at interest rates, we talked about this on the last podcast. The short-term rates, you know, the two year, the five-year treasury notes have come up showing that there is gonna be some rising rates. The long-term rates, though, 30 year, you know, even north of the 10, they're not moving. So they're not projecting this is gonna be around for a while. So incomes, PayPal which is the first victim for this week. Right now it's down 26%. <laughs> oh God. Rich Rich Brooks, I know we talked on a prior episode about PayPal and how much we like the company. So this is, you know, a better value for you. <laughs> um, but if, I, I guess highlighting PayPal's estimates, if you look at the quarter, you know, PayPal came through, their revenue was in line, their earnings were in line with guidance or with the uh, Wall Street projections. Yep. The reason this sold off was they projected lower growth than expected, so I wanna emphasize that. When you're seeing a stock down 25%, it's kind of like Wall Street was expecting this to shoot to the moon, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's only gonna breach low Earth earth orbit. orbit. So, real strong, I mean, still has payment volume of 340 billion, growing at 23%, currency adjusted, payment volume still growing 30%. They're just expecting lower growth for the foreseeable, uh, quarters. But what are your thoughts Sean? seeing this, uh, this big, uh, crash?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, it's, it's a, uh, a beauty contest in the market, right? I mean, if the expectations are X and you come in just below X and you're getting slaughtered right now, um, Yep. There was that uh, that podcast, um, Medfavors, and he he had that that bit about Netflix where he was like, you know, if I could tell you in twenty eighteen that they would more than you know quadruple their bottom line, triple their top line, you know, expand uh, you know user base by ninety million, like just crazy numbers, right? If you just throw it out there, um, but at the same time, the stock would be flat to negative over that four year period, you know, you, you would never believe me, but it's all, uh, it's all about expectations and whether you're exceeding expectations by a significant margin, like, uh, obviously what Google did today, uh, Apple last week, or if you are giving lower guidance and slight, you know, if you're just barely hitting the mark and providing lower guidance, um, the market is really punishing you for it.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's a big thing to focus on. Is right now the largest of the large companies, Apple, Google. I'm, I don't know if Amazon's reported yet, but I'm sure they're going to blow it out. Yeah. Facebook as well. All these massive companies that have so many different business lines that are bringing in billions and billions and billions of dollars. All of them have been doing fine. Mm-hmm. It's anyone below them has literally had their kneecaps taken out. So, you know, when you're investing, nobody nobody likes being down 50% in a security. in security. The big thing to focus on though is you need to realize how long you're gonna be holding these securities because it may make sense that, you know, the next two years they might be painful, but in 10 years, this thing could three, four or five X from here, something like that. All right, so let's go next to giant companies with diverse business lines. Sean, what are you looking at?
1: (laughs) So uh, by diverse business lines, you mean uh, monopolies. Uh, yes, exactly. But yes, all the big, uh, all the big tech guys have done exceedingly well in this environment. Um, you know, it pay it pays to own all the uh, the means of technological production. Um, I mean, you had Google come out, smash top and bottom line numbers, gave elevated expectations. Right, going forward, uh, the market really, really uh, enjoyed that one. They were up earlier today. At one point, around 11 12%. I uh, believe right now, we're sitting at about 7.5% in the green. So, still a very, very strong day, uh, especially considering the market's down. But, you know, I think you're going to see that from these. I mean, we've kind of joked, especially over the last couple of years, that these have almost turned into like bond proxies because nobody's getting paid to sit and fix income anymore. Everybody's kind of stretching out in the uh, the risk curve. And these just tend to be a lot more, um, I mean, or I should say a lot less volatile, a lot more conservative uh, with some realistic growth opportunities.
0: You know what's crazy with these? So, you know, you look at a company like PayPal or some of these smaller companies and they're earning whatever, you know, Few billion dollars a quarter. Yep, you're looking at seventy five billion dollars in quarterly revenue. Mm-hmm. It was last year, same quarter it was fifty six, mm-hmm. and it's speeding up. Mm-hmm. So it's like these companies are bringing in so much money; like they're growing. PayPal was growing at whatever eighteen percent as their projections. You're seeing Google's growing at thirty two percent, and the base is bigger than the entire market cap <laughs> of some of these other companies. It's almost like at some point, the law of large numbers needs to come in with these big companies. Like, how much more can they grow? But you're spot on. They're all getting cracked with the monopoly issue now because they're so big. Obviously, they're sucking all the revenue out of all the other companies. You know, the good thing for investors is you don't even have to buy these. You can just buy any index fund, and you already get exposure to 30%, 40% of Apple, Google, yep. Facebook. You know, most of these large <clears throat> companies are just such large components of the index. But wild to see how much they're growing
1: yeah no i would um i would definitely add to that that these you know you you look at microsoft microsoft's another great example they um you know again they've they smashed top and bottom line um forward you know projections are are very strong market loved it they uh, did extremely well um when they put their, their guidance and their numbers out and uh Again, it's another one that it has all these varying business lines um, and then they're out there still buying up, Yeah, they're acquiring companies. Uh, but I was reading another uh, blog that was referencing how wild the current environment's growth numbers are. So a, a company as big as Microsoft is still seeing 30 percent year over year growth. Um, which the last time they saw, that was 1999. Wow. And on, a, on, a, on, a, on a much smaller scale, obviously, uh, a much smaller company at that point compared to where they are today. And uh, and that was the last time they saw consistent growth numbers in this range. And now it's just everybody's running away. They, but but the article yeah. was essentially referencing the speed at which companies are exploding um in the you know sub 50 million dollar range but then also they they reference the small side but then they also reference the massive side with the microsoft's of the world the googles of the world and just the insane growth numbers that we're continuing to see um some of that has to do with obviously a lot of the liquidity that's been in the market um thanks to the fed but also it seems as if there is a uh Almost an awakening, right? There's a lot of people that have been on the sidelines. There's been a lot of cash on the sidelines. You know, that's another thing that we we heard about for a long time. And you know, when you know, since you and I have been in the industry, is you know, you've got X amount of dollars in, in cash, X amount of dollars just not invested. Only X amount of people are uh, you know invested in the market, and that number just is continuing to grow and grow and grow. And all of this money that's been sitting on the sidelines, or not invested at all. or not saved at all. It's starting to find its way into these companies and into the market uh and it's showing through with these growth numbers and and, uh, revenue numbers
0: yeah Google's also following Tesla and a few others and they're announcing a stock split so shares are gonna basically get divided up by 20 20 for one one stock split I mean the stock's three thousand dollars a share I think investors need to realize that that has zero bearing on what the performance actually does it's the same size pizza. You just use the blade and cut more slices so you have smaller slices of the same stock. Yep. Um, something wild though, this is just looking over the quarter. They have $140 billion in cash. So this company, just like Apple, just, I mean, Microsoft is paying 70 billion basically to buy Activision Blizzard so they can own Call of Duty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're
0: kind of seeing Google now and Apple I mean, these are the only companies that can continue, continue to survive. They're the ones with all the cash, they're yep. the ones with all the money. They're the ones with all the investments. Honestly, it's probably only going to be government that breaks them up because I don't know how you stop the compounding of revenue at this level. All right. So I want to go next to a completely different story. So not real. Well, I guess it's market-related, just not stock market-related. But yeah. for those in Florida, U.S. 19 is like a major highway that goes – from St. Pete all the way up to basically the Florida, Georgia border kind of near Tallahassee. Yep. The stretch from probably Pasco County all the way down through Pinellas, which is basically St. Pete up for maybe an hour or two hour drive. Originally used to be like the retail Mecca of, you know, any businesses lined up around that because it's such a big traffic, uh trafficked area. So, they created a almost like flyover highway. So rather than having to ride along the road, there's a highway now that just takes you through most of it without having to stop. So there's an interesting article in the local news here talking about even in this amazing Florida real estate boom, there is a huge bust across the entire retail corridor. A funny quote that I thought was in here was, um, and while people need storage units, they don't generate very many jobs. <laughs> so I guess I guess a lot of businesses in the area, a lot of um, you know restaurants, have either closed or relocated, and now the only things popping up are these storage places. So it's kind of interesting to see in the middle of a huge boom, where almost everything is surging in pricing. There's now this huge stretch of commercial property that is. Basically being valued like it's going out of business. Yeah. So they're gonna start to go down the route of maybe looking at this as an opportunity zone to try to get people to invest back there, clear some land, make it maybe even residential in certain areas. But yep. very interesting to see in the super, super hot real estate market, a very dead zone right in the middle of everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is obviously a super local topic, but um but you know, you bring up a good point, those opportunity zones. Those have been a, a nice boon for the communities that they've been able to get into. Um, and for the audience, for those who don't know what those are, um, those were geographically designated areas um, that you're able to create based on um, the 2017 tax law changes. And it an essentially, you know, long story short, it just provides a boatload of tax incentives uh, for investors to come in and put money to work in an area that has, you know, it's, it's been depleted or it's just not growing as well. And it's just, you know, there's certain income limitations and there's certain like uh, you know, growth rates, et cetera, that have to qualify in order for it to be considered an opportunity zone. But then the, it's an actual physical, you know, you, it's marked off by block by block by block into a particular area. And if you are an investor, you go on there, whether you're, working with an institutional quality, big, you know, kind of big player, real estate guy, or if you're somebody on a smaller scale, um, the rules are essentially the same. And you can go in there and plow in money, uh, make some improvements. And with the goal of you keeping that money there 10 years or more. Um, and again, there's just a, a tremendous amount of tax incentives. Um, and it's it's been a very uh, widely successful program. But also a really good investment opportunity for for most of the um the funds that have been created so yeah, yeah no you, i think that'd be, i think that'd be an awesome thing for the area
0: well how do you incentivize people to invest real estate dollars in an area that's absolutely you know just a mm-hmm. shitty area you know we my, our office is not too far off that road and it's kind of a dead zone i mean literally yeah. you have homeless people all along it because there's nice empty bridges that can sleep underneath but <laughs> if they're Taking an area that used to be a super hot super vibrant retail focused area, a lot of the malls used to be off nineteen now that's gone you know it's it's remarkable that all the real estate appreciation now is going into more of the residential side. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see does that flip back so do you see a cooling off at some point in the residential side and the commercial side just explodes in these depressed areas you know where all of these real estate gains into another asset and look for more appreciation. Yeah.
1: It's like the Borg. All these giant cubes are taking over. There you
0: go. A little nerd. Joke Borg for everybody. And... All right. What else? Anything else left on your, <laughs> uh, your um, radar?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I would say that, you know, obviously we've still got, um, we've still got some interesting stuff coming out from the fed. I think that when it's, when it's all said and done, um, you know, uh, I think they're talking more tough than they're going to end up following through just because if you look at what the national debt is currently sitting at right I mean it took we we hit I believe it was 20 trillion we hit 5 years ago and then two and then and then from the time that we hit 20 trillion to now we've just achieved 30 trillion I mean, that is just a remarkable feat. The amount of debt that's being piled on, on top of debt, on top of debt, top of spending program, it just feels like there's no way for them to really follow through and attack interest rates the way that they say they're going to attack them. I mean, you saw the, uh, you saw the, uh, what was it, Bank of America. They came out and said that they believe that Every single meeting is going to be a rate hike. Seven rate hikes. I mean, seven rate hikes. There's no way that's going to happen. It doesn't seem that the Fed has the ability to do what they say they're going to do, or at least what they've hinted at that they're going to do. I mean, Bank of America came out and and said they expect the Fed to raise rates seven times, basically every single meeting this year. Um, And five times next year, like we're some kind of banana republic, um, I mean, you had, what was it? JP Morgan came out and said they're going to do it five times this year. Another bank came out and said they're going to do it six times this year. I mean, it's just, it's so, it would be so aggressive and so counterintuitive to what, you know, the, the market, how the market would react and what the results would end up being especially in an election year, you just, it's hard to imagine that really being uh, something that they follow through on. Um, I think what they're, I think what they're doing is setting up the market to have, cause like we talked about earlier, right? With these, these companies that come out with, you know, great top line, great bottom line numbers, but then they give you weaker guidance and then they get crushed, right? It's all about expectations the same thing is with the Fed, right? The Fed comes out and they say like, we're going to raise rates a million times, and we're going to stop the money printing, and we're going to blah, 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 We're going to do all this stuff. Everybody freaks out. The market freaks out. Growth sells off. Things kind of reset a little bit. So they they've done it enough to where they've, but they've also forecasted it enough to where it's been slowly digesting over the last several months with this slow kind of meltdown. I, I again, I just don't think they're going to follow through with it the way that they say they are which is going to lead to a second half of the year bounce back. Um, In my opinion, I think they're going to see a a really strong bounce back second half of the year, Uh, especially again, with it being an election year. I mean, there's no way that the party in power, whoever it is, right. Democrats, Republicans, doesn't matter. Whoever's in power, isn't going to intentionally, even though the fed is supposed to be independent, isn't going to intentionally allow them to basically derail um the the economy the way the way that that could if they were to be as aggressive as they say they're going to be yeah that's the last yeah. thing i'm gonna leave on
0: you gotta you got a lot of people in the fed making decisions from all different angles again yep. everyone's just doing what they know best this time's different it always seems to be a stupid a stupid thing in hindsight um yep. but yeah i agree i think a lot of this is going to be once all the COVID stuff gets out of the way and people can travel no. like normal, they can spend like normal, they can work like normal. No. The question's gonna be, what does that turn into? And I, I kind of agree, I think you're gonna see inflation come back down and interest rates normalize to a lower level. The growth stock should tick back up. I don't really like a lot of the commodity based companies. I think a lot of that area is gonna be hurt, but you know, this does bring up a good question for those people more retirement focuses can't really have a retirement strategy. That's hundred percent focused on growth stocks. Cause something like this sure. could just crucify that plan. So you do need to balance that out a little bit, get some craft advice, get that investment process dialed in, go from there. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, you
1: can't have too much growth. You got to balance it out, but at the same time, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You've got a lot of technology stocks that are, um, you know, driving a lot of really interesting innovation. You 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 also you know you can't throw out the uh, logistics companies and the truckers and the the boring the boring stocks, right? They're not the most fun to own when the market's ripping off thirty percent, you know, like it did last year. And and tech does extremely well, but at the same time, you you uh, you can't completely throw those guys away at a few um, interest rate increases because obviously we've seen this several times before. And we've seen the fed step away. I mean, 2018 is a perfect example, right? Second half of the year, they said it, growth was great. Employment is full prices are starting to increase. We need to start, you know, hiking rates. They did that well into the fourth quarter. And then, um, you know, obviously that sent us into a, uh, a big sell off there. I think that was the first time we had touched 20% in, you know, nearly a decade. And, uh, they, they eased off that and started cutting rates again. Yep. So I think we we may see something similar. I think the first six months of this year is going to be a, a touch and go experiment with the Fed and, and what expectations are. They're going to raise some rates and, and see how the market digests it. And then uh, if it takes it a little bit too aggressively, uh, then I think the second half of the year, especially heading into election season, you're going to see them uh, cool off that. So we'll see.
0: All right, well, right. Let's leave it there. Sean, I know you got a ski trip, so go enjoy the slopes. Any closing thoughts?
1: No, uh just remember everybody, just because of their stock splits 20 for one doesn't mean the company's worth any more than it you know normally would be.
0: Yeah, you, don't get, you just get more shares. You don't get 20 times your return. You don't get 20, <laughs> you don't get a discount, there's none of that. So yeah, yeah. don't be stupid. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Adios, enjoy everybody. Adios. Jack and Sean work for Senj Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senj Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senj Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.